The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You know the show. You listen to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix and living like it matters. I want to thank you all for joining me today. And I'm sure you're wondering what matters to me today. Well, listen, I don't mean to be selfish, but every now and then I do have to remind you it is Ray Ellis Sports. So I guess every now and then I get a chance to, to, to say what matters to me and for it to be somewhat self-serving. Um, and it is. The statement I'm about to make is I'm happy to see um, uh, the Ed O'Bannon case out in California uh, going in such a way that I feel is favorable to future student athletes. And, and I say that because um, I've been a part of that struggle, if you will, from the very beginning. Uh, after Ed, of course, I was one of those people who uh, became one of the plaintiffs uh, representing the class. And th- there just comes a time in life where when it's your chance to stand up and, and, and be held accountable for change. And uh, it changed, sometimes that change, you may not, not, you may not reap the benefits, uh, but you know that perhaps maybe at least in your mind there was something that was going on that perhaps maybe you felt as if something needed to be said and something should be changed. And when it comes your turn to speak up and to speak out, you, you should do that. You should stand on what you believe in, and, uh, and you should hold others to be accountable for their promises, um, for the direction of which they lead you down a path, um, and, and you trust them. And many times young students may find themselves in a position uh, of trust, and you, you hope and pray that, uh, that, that things work out for the best for all involved. And um, so I think that some of the changes that will come about as a result of what's happening in the courts of uh, California will be something that's for the benefit of all involved. And uh, sports is entertainment. For those of out there who do not believe that sports is entertainment, uh, wake up to 2014 and, and realize that it is. And it is a platform of entertainment that uh, entertains people all over the world. It's when you have your chance to do what you want to do, to spend your time and your money the way you want to, to bring some excitement, some release, just from getting away from everything that's going on that's so stressful in your life. And if you choose to go out and and be entertained by someone in a theater or someone uh, at a concert or someone at a play or someone on a field or a court, uh, that's that's entertainment, and guess what? Entertainment is business. 
It's big, big business. So that's all I want to say is, again, I wish those guys that are in the courtrooms uh, today, uh, Ed, I believe, was uh, on the stand, took the stand yesterday, and a couple guys are going to take it today. But, uh, again, for those uh, student-athletes of the past, uh, of which I'm a member of that fraternity, um, I thank you for your courage of, of, of coming together and standing with us. And um, for those in the future, uh, just know that when it was our turn to step up, we stepped up, we stepped up, we stood out. And many times they say that, that I believe I got this one from uh, my good friend, uh, Mr. Gilchrist, uh, Cookie's son, said that um, the nail that sticks out is the nail that gets hammered. And uh, someone once said his dad was the nail that always got hammered, but that's because he was willing to stand up and step out and fight for what was right. And eventually things prevailed in a way of which he would be happy. And so, uh, as Pharrell would say, uh, I want to be happy that uh, things work out in uh, that Ed O'Bannon NC2A uh, lawsuit. But today, we're going to talk about something. Listen, many times in our lives, boy, we get a chance to, to do some things we have to, and then we do some things we want to, and then we have these things called dreams. And those, of course, are the things that, in our mind, as we fantasize, we just... We wish, we hope, and we pray that one day, not all, but at least some of our dreams will come true. And I'm one who, can, I, as a witness, I, I, sat here, I sit here in this seat in the studios of Voice America, and I tell you that I have had a chance to live out many of my dreams. I, I just thank God that I'm able to, to live because I'm, I'm a, a person who's been struck by lightning twice. So, so I, I know what it's like to live a dream. And just to be thankful that you're alive and to take charge of your life. It's your life. You live it. You do what you want to do. And if you can inspire some people along the way, I think you should do that. And I have a special guest with me today. And it happens to be a person that, as I said, they got a chance to live their dream. The dream lived. That's a book, in case you didn't know. And a lady who the book is all about is Susie Sanchez. And Susie is on the line with me today. Susie, are you there? I'm there. Hi, Ray. Thanks for having me today. Oh, well, thank you for, for joining me and, and taking time out of your day. And, you know, wow, Susie, there's, there's so much to your book, so much to your story. I'm not sure where I want to start, but, but I will say this. Uh, the dream lived. Wow, not only did you get a chance that you got a chance to live your dream, but I guess the culmination of it all is you actually got a right just to write a book about this. So if you will, why, why don't we do this? Why don't we, why don't we kind of start off from the beginning and kind of give an introduction, if you will, yourself to who you are and, and this person who got a chance to, to live their dream. And, and then I'm going to ask you a few questions. But uh, just to start off, uh, I, I know that you're the first thing you wanted everybody to know is that you're a devoted mother and yes. a grandmother. Absolutely. So you can go on from there. You know, your mother, your grandmother, and, and this story, the, the Dream Live, this book, is about this person who is a mother and, and who is a grandmother. But how did it all start from the very beginning? You were a young person who obviously was very interested in, in, in dancing and performing. Am I correct? Yes, that's correct. I started dancing at the age of eight and knew very soon on my very first recital that dancing and the stage and performing would definitely be my passion and desire in life. Wow. And so, you know, dancing 
but would be your passion in life. So obviously it's something that when you were doing it at a very young age, you felt good about it. And so did you continue on into your, your, your adolescent years, your years of junior high and high school? Yes, I did. I, I danced at my local studio and then became a part of our competition team. Um, and again, for me, the, the big moment um, was hitting the stage every year and just looking out into an audience. And there's an internal feeling you get as a performer, and um, it's almost like an internal high. And I just I wanted that more and more every year and um, truly knew at a young age this was hopefully going to be my calling in life. This is where I wanted to, to lead myself. Now, let me ask you, so did you, you know, you said you knew at a very young age. Was this something that you were influenced by somebody else in your family? Was it your mom or your aunt or, or your grandmother? Was anybody else into dancing or, or cheerleading of any aspect? You know, um, no, not per se, but I learned later. Uh, my grandmother passed away when I was 10 years old of breast cancer, and it actually wasn't until I wrote my book that I recalled my mother showing me photos of my grandmother as a dancer um, back in her youth. So though she passed away around the time of when I began dancing, it wasn't until I wrote the book that I actually thought, you know, maybe it's her spirit that lived inside of me to pursue this um, because she wasn't obviously there all those years that I performed and danced. So to answer your question, no, it's not in my my immediate family, um, the background of dancing, but I do believe my grandmother, I, be, I do believe there was a connection there. Well, uh, certainly it, it was in your genes, and it, it obviously was passed along to you. Let me ask you, is there anybody else in your family that uh, if you were to hit the dance floor that could com- compete with you? You know, my father's a great a great dancer. Oh, on my go. wedding day, we did a beautiful number out there on the dance floor. Um, so, yeah, you find out somewhere genetically this is where you got your, um, your skill from, right? So... Uh, Somewhere along the, the lines, I think one of my sons is a really good dancer as well, so we'll see, you know, what, what life takes him as well. Oh, there you go. See, it's in the bloodline. So let, let, let's talk about this. As, as time goes on and, and, and you're in junior high school, you're in high school, t- let's talk a little bit about high school because I think high school in particular is one of those, you know, oh, it's the time of your life that's extremely important to, to young people. And you yeah. kind of, you know, you kind of have or you don't have an identity you either you're part of this group or you're part of that group or 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 you're a loner what was life for you like in high school and had you decided at that time you wanted to be more serious about your dancing yeah i had great friends in high school um i ran around with a lot of my best friends that are my best friends here today and um i continued dancing when we all went off to college um i knew college for me was going to be where there was where uh, dance studio and facility was um, embraced. A lot of the colleges in the early 90s, um, you know, you were starting to lose some of the arts already. And uh, my desire was all about dance. I went to a junior college out in Monterey, California, and um, I knew, I knew, you know, I took a few classes during the day, but about six to seven hours of my day was dance classes. I thought, I'm going to do this full time. And that's when that desire of, okay, what's the big picture here? What, what is it that I really want to do? And the thoughts of Broadway, New York, doing the, the, the big avenue, um, those started to inspire in my mind. And so I didn't really follow my girlfriend's trails of other schools. I followed the school of choice because of my dance and, and my desire of dance at that point. So at that time, you, if, if you will, uh, I guess for, for lack of any other example that I could give, you on a path 
of what could be perceived as someone who was interested in being a professional dancer. So at this time now in college, are you considering, hey, this might be, I could be on Broadway one day. Are you starting to take it that serious now yeah, in college? Yeah, I was. I, you know, because as you get older, you know, you watch a lot of your friends around you. Um, that childhood dream starts to go away, right? You find other interests and other desires. And for me, it was almost getting stronger. And, um, yeah, I thought about, you know, maybe I'll major in dance. Um, but it wasn't about majoring in dance. It wasn't about teaching dance. I wanted to be that performer. Again, it goes back to every time I get on stage, that audience, looking out into that audience and that internal feeling. I just I wanted it more and more the, the older I got. Well, that's interesting. It, it kind of reminds me of a movie, just a, you know, a little laugh here. I think in one of those movies, uh, Whoopi Goldberg was in it, and I think somebody said she was something, and she said, no, I'm not that, I'm this, which was a classification that this is higher than just you know, one of those dancers. She, she's one who stands out. And I, can't, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I do remember in one of those movies that she was in uh, right. that, that she talked about that. Well, that, that. That's really interesting because I would be curious as to know what majority of people uh, that you can think about if, if there is such a statistic that that's the path that they would take to eventually end up, you know, performing on on Broadway. Do they think that they should go through, um, you know, the early years of which you went through and, and then in, in junior high it turns into something else and high school turns into something else. And then when you start, you know, participating at the college level, the profession isn't far away. Is that is that kind of the normal path that one takes that ends up, let's say, on Broadway, even though I don't think that's where we're taking this story, but is right. that the normal path if someone did want to go that route and end up, is that the path they take? Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe um, they would continue at the college level. Um, you know, I think organizations start to, kind of like with the football players, with the scouting, they start to see what schools you're coming out of, where you're coming from, moving up, leveraging yourself into the, the higher uh, program, you know, the higher college level. Um, that's not my story by any means, but that would be the typical way, I believe, um, a cheerleader or a professional athlete in the dance field would work their way up into that arena. Well, what we're going to do is we're, we're going to have to take a break, but we're going to come back and we're going to focus a little bit more on, on let's say, your template. Of, okay. what, of what you used and how your life turned out because there's a very important part as we talk about the high school aspect of your life that happened, uh, changed your life a little bit, but didn't get you off track. You stayed on track to reach your ultimate goal and your ultimate dream, and we're going to talk about that. Right now, of course, I'm sharing this microphone and this airwave with Susie Sanchez, and Susie's book is entitled The Dream Lived, and she did live her dream. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. flagship station for sports voice america sports so andy serling packed his bags left the city and is enjoying his temporary digs in saratoga but that won't stop us from bringing you playing to win the best online handicapping show for serious horse players catch andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of august on location from the beautiful saratoga race course he and his guests are some of the best in the biz they bring you new insights to making money and they tell it like it is i'm three five one in this race but the three is very much the one to be we're going to completely disagree on this race i absolutely disagree 
spies are especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. The Dream Lived, that's the name of the book. And, of course, the book is about Susie Sanchez. Uh, Susie's been on the air with me, of course, for the first segment, and we're going to continue. And, and, and as I said, I want to go back, Susie, just, again, to, to kind of get us on a track where now we're talking about uh, a template of which is uh, truly been lived out. It's actually how your life kind of went for you and things that went on. So let me ask you, in, in high school nowadays, uh, I think there's some universities that provide some assistance to those who come in uh, on cheerleading scholarships. But if, if, if I'm correct, you didn't go to college on a cheerleading scholarship. Am I correct about that? Yes, not at all. I, like I said, I went to my local junior college and... Um you know, that was my own funds. And, again, taking the, the regular student journal courses, I, I almost knew right then, it's like, mm, I don't know how much I want to pursue the schooling aspect of college other than the dance. I mean, the dance portion of my mind was getting more and more strong at that point of, okay, I want the performance. I want the, the Broadway scene. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's where I headed. And that, that's interesting because I think that's what happens when, a lot of student athletes uh, find themselves on a college campus. Your dream becomes more of a dream and it becomes a vision. And it's clear to you now that, you know, I, I see those who are professionals. I like what they do. And as a matter of fact, as I look around me and I'm in a spot, whereas these are the people who perhaps may go on to the next level and become professionals. And guess what? I'm just as good as they are, or, or maybe better. Did you ever have that aha moment where, in terms of those around you, your peers, or you felt as if, hey, I'm one of the best here? Um, honestly, not in, not in the early years. Um, I wasn't by far your best dancer ever. Um, but the de- when you have the desire and you have the passion, the skill comes along with it. I mean, you might have to work a little harder, shoot a few extra baskets, you know, practice this more than the other girl. But I think that's where you stand different is the desire is a little bit stronger. You might not have been gifted with as much, but your personal desire is, uh, is, is stronger, is more passionate towards uh, what, you're, what you're trying to achieve. Now, I believe when you were in your college years, right when this passion really started hitting you, uh, I, I'm going to assume that, that, that there was something else, too, you know, based upon the book. Uh, that there was something else, too, that uh, you became very passionate about or, or was going to have to become very passionate about uh, in your life as well. And I believe in, in maybe your second year of school, perhaps, maybe, is that when you gave birth to your first child? I got pregnant and had my first child at age 20. Um, I have a beautiful daughter. She's almost 21 now, Amanda. And um, to be honest, 
uh, after giving birth, like many first-time moms and myself being a young mother, almost instantly that dream and desire of professional dancing, it went away. You become a mother, you get into motherhood. For us, my husband Charlie and I, um, we were young parents, so it was about survival. It was, I worked a full-time job at a software company. You know, you're providing for this family. We had our own place. Um, You're living in and out day by day. And almost instantly, that passion and desire took second place, took the back seat. The shoes immediately went into the closet, my dance shoes, and the dream was vanished. Now, you know, what's really interesting about that is I heard you mention that your husband, uh, I think Charlie was his name? Yeah, okay. Charlie. Uh, now, just curious, just to tell the story uh, the way it should be told, uh, honest and truthful, were you and Charlie married at that time, or did you get married No, after? we were not married when I gave birth to Amanda. We married when she was three years old. We waited a few years and uh, married in 1997. Well, still, I, I want to congratulate you guys on being young parents, and, and yes. you were able to stay together as young parents and, 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 and then married later. But certainly, like you said, there was something that you were so passionate about. And then you did something that, uh, again, some mothers are faced with those challenges, and they do the same thing as they, they give up their dreams and their hopes to right. become mothers. And, and, I, and I don't think, you know, some people may think at the age of 20, it may be a young parent, but we certainly know there are some that are, that are younger than you were when right. they give birth to their child. But at that time, like you said, it, that wasn't the priority of your life. Your child became that. When, when, you, when your focus was now on your child and not so much of your dream, how long was it before your dream came back to, to the front of your mind and you started thinking about your dream again? It was about 11, oh, about nine, about nine, nine years later, and um, my third child was born. Please say that children. again. I'm so sorry. I don't want anybody to, I, I really don't want them to miss that, and I want to oh. emphasize that, Susie. You said it was nine years later. Yeah, about eight to nine years later, after the birth of our third child. That's yes. great. Oh, gosh, that's great. Go ahead. And Please go it ahead. it was literally, I would be uh, breastfeeding at night in the middle of the night with Bobby, my third little guy, and... The thoughts would start, they were running rampant. I would have, literally, I would have dreams of that performance, that stage, that, that feeling. And I thought, wow, why is my subconscious calling me? What, what is this awakening? You know, I'm done. I haven't done this in years, right? And um, it, it became stronger and stronger. And I'm the type of person I'm going to act on. If I get a strong feeling, I'm going to act upon it. And um, so I think it was August of 2000. And three, I drove to that same junior college from 1991, and I took my jazz class. I went right back, you know, as a mother of three, a, a wife, and I went back to dance class. Now, let me and ask was, you, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but, I, but that's something important for us to know. Uh, you went to that jazz class. Now, yeah. had any of the classes before been focused on jazz, or was this uh, a, a new area of dancing that you wanted to enter into? No, exact same area. I'd okay. always done uh, tap, jazz, ballet, modern. So the, the ironic part, the same uh, dance instructor from when I left was still teaching at the school years later. So I reintroduced myself at the end of that class and said, you don't remember me. I was, you know, an 18-year-old many years ago, and here I am in my early 30s. I'm, I'm, for a lot of women, it was like walking into a good workout day, but for me, it was a rebirth moment. Well, let me just say this so we could, because this is an inspiring story. And so we want to inspire some of those women out there who perhaps maybe think that, you know, 
nine years later after you've yeah. had your first child. Of course, you've had uh, three, I mean, two others, so now you have three children. Now, they want to know, I'm sure they want to know, okay, now wait now, what did this lady do to stay in shape where she felt as if she was uh, at, at least, you know, you know, because women are always self-conscious about going back into dancing. Was there some? Did you continue your dance throughout that period, or did no, you just totally um, give it up? Did I, you exercise, or what? I you did. Do? Uh, my husband's very much into fitness. Uh, when I met him, I became very involved into fitness. So throughout the years and through the years of pregnancy, I always stayed in shape. I always went to my local gym, but I never walked into the aerobics room. I never took it because it was too related to dance, and I didn't want to feel that emotion again. I almost shied away from, you know, I would do the weights and I would do a little bit of cardio, but mainly weightlifting. So, you know, I was lucky in all these years to have kept my figure to stay in shape. Um, but I still encourage the women out there that might have an issue there, still try, still show up. It's the most amazing feeling when you walk back into your life like that. Yeah, that is that that is amazing. But like you said, there was something inside of you. It was, it was churning inside of you. And like I guess that that desire, you might have pushed a, a, um, a pause button, but, uh -huh. but you didn't push any race. You didn't push an off button. And it was it was still in your blood. And it got to the fact that uh, at some point in time it became overwhelming and you walked back into uh, to the jazz studio. And like you said, when you walked in, the, the environment was very friendly to you because you had the same instructor that you walked away from some nine years earlier uh, there in that class. So how are the how are the first few classes coming back in, into jazz and, and realizing that this was something that you did because you loved? Were you now doing it because you loved it? Or had you started a plan now where you had a desire to do something, or was this just for exercise and for, you know, you to satisfy something that you love doing? You know, initially it was just like you said. It was just to go back to dance, to fulfill, you know, that, that internal feeling of, wow, what a great workout, and, and I'm dancing again. You know, my instructor, she would put me at the front of the lines. And I, as I state in my book, I was actually a stronger dancer now not a weaker dancer. He thought, okay, it's been a few years. I'm going to be a little squeaky. And I think the maturity and having my children and just life itself made me stronger. And um, they had a fall show for the college there, and I thought, absolutely, I want to be in the show. I want to get on that stage. I want to see that audience again. And, you know, that experience might have been kind of the beginning of the calling of where, going back to 18, where can I take this? The drive's kicking in again, you know. Um, and in 2000, I think it was 2005 is when I started thinking about the NFL teams. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Now you say a strong dancer. For those of us that don't know what that is, what, what is a strong dancer? Um, it's confidence. It's, uh, you know, you're, you're, it's kind of like football, right? You're good in your passes. You're good in your catches, right? You can foresee that next play. Um, as a dancer, you know, I've had three kids. I'm not as flexible as I was years earlier, but that didn't seem to matter. The other areas, uh, you know, I felt I pointed my toes stronger. I had more muscle because of the years of working out, so my turns were sharper. But I think, again, it's just if that desire's there, the passion had never died. It was, you know, awakened again. And I think life maturity, just having three kids, kind of knowing how life works now, just all of it was magic. Let me ask you, had you... Uh had you had an opportunity to attend any um, any dance activities where you were able to witness other people dancing, which perhaps maybe you had danced with over the years during this time away from dancing? 
I did. My uh, Lana's Dance Studio, the only place I've ever taken dance class since age eight, um, she had her 20th, ironically, she had her 25th year reunion that, that year. And I said, Lana, I'm coming out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this again with you. I even took it a step further and took a tap class with her senior high school students that year because I loved tap dancing. And, you know, it, there was never a purpose. There was never a plan. But somehow the journey and how God worked it, it all fell into place. You know, if five years earlier, if she'd had a reunion, none of it, I probably never would have shown up. But it was all just magically working into an arena of, I'm on a path here. Someone's leading me. And I didn't know where my future was going to head, obviously. But, um, yeah, it was remarkable. Yeah, I, I think that's amazing because it, it's many times when you listen to people who, who've lived a remarkable life, and, and I just think that any individual who gets a chance to, to live on Earth for, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, I, I mean, that's, you know, a remarkable life. You don't have to be 90, but certainly when you start getting in your 30s and 40s and, and you start looking back over things and you can see how things transpired and how they played out, and when you look back over it, it makes sense, but when you're going through it, yeah. you're, sometimes we're not really conscious of, of what's going on. And like you said, um, you know, you thought for a time that it could happen, but you were kind of away from that, and then it came back to you. So right. I think we're about halfway there. So it's about we're about halfway through the show. We're going to take a break, and, and we're going to come back, and, and we're going to accelerate things right now because we're going to start talking about, you know, when some things start happening that your dream really just kind of revealed itself to you and I think you just you just took off so we're going to take a break you listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network The Dream Lived it's a book go out make sure you get it it's about Susie Sanchez and Susie is here with me on Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network and we're going to take a break and we'll be right back Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. 
What matters to me, of course, you guys know that the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit is going ahead. Ed O'Bannon lawsuit against the NC2A, and I'm happy those guys are uh, doing a good job. Uh, there was some settlement yesterday uh, as a part of uh, the images and likeness being used by players. Uh, the NC2A did settle that portion of it. There was a portion that was settled, but there's a portion that still remains in court. And uh, we'll find out more about that and get an update. When I get some information, I'll share with you guys right here. But uh, what I am sharing with you today is some information I have uh, on a, a young lady who's just lived an amazing life. And uh, that life was may have some challenges early on, but this is a, a true soldier, if you will, um, who when she was dealt a hand, uh, that's the hand she played, and she played it very well. So we're talking about Susie Sanchez, and we're talking about the book that she has out on the market. It's called The Dream Lived, and she certainly defied all the odds. So, Susie, let, let's talk about uh, before you defied all those odds, uh, they got the best of you a little bit because now we're at the point of your life where you think uh, you have the confidence, as you talked about, you are that strong dancer that you talked about, and now you're out there to the point in life where you say you want to play not with the big boys but with the big girls and you take a stab at being a professional cheerleader if you will and not only that but I'm going to call it one of the biggest stages there is in the world and that's the National Football League and you tried out for to become a Raiderette and uh, beat you up a couple times am I right? Yes Ray that's correct um, I decided at, at this point in my early 30s that with three children and married, I'm most likely not going to be taking off to Broadway and doing the New York scene. But I thought to myself, how locally here in the state of California can I have that magnitude stage? Could I try to live out this dream and have that huge audience? And literally at my local gym one day, the thought came across my mind, and I said, you know what? We have the San Francisco 49ers, the Oakland Raiders. Why not show up to one of these dance auditions? It's that huge environment. It's the NFL. It doesn't get bigger than that. And in 2006, I... I showed up. I think I was 33 at the time, and I said, "Let me go. Let me go see what this is all about." Now, I guess different than, and, and I want to I want to say this because I'm glad you're sharing this experience with us. Because different than the National Football League, where we have combines, where those are what we call our job interviews, those are what we call uh, our career fairs uh, for athletes. Uh, is this an open opportunity, or is this invitation only when you show up at these uh, tryouts? Uh, auditions for the NFL cheer teams are open auditions. Anybody, uh, you have to at least be age 18 to show up, and there's no age limit, and uh, it's open to any and everybody. Now, okay, so did you just, just, again, just being a strong dancer, is this something you just decided to do, or do you have any friends who at that time uh, were cheerleading for one of the teams in the National Football League? No. I, you know, my girlfriends were all older at this point. Um, I know my dance instructor, Lana's daughter, had just a few years earlier, mind you, she's probably 10, 11 years younger than I, had danced for the 49ers. But no, I had no immediate friends, contact networks, anything. I just literally logged on to their sites, learned about their locations and time. I didn't even really know what to wear to these auditions. I had to do my research. And on my own, got in my car, and it was an amazing experience. Um, go out there and do it. Did you have the support, if you will? I'm, and I'm not being a chauvinist. I'm just asking in terms of uh, the support. of Because a family, it's always important that we support one another. Did you have the support of your husband in this case? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we've always said we would support each other's de desires and dreams. 
um, sure did he and or my family think, oh, Suzy, you're a little crazy here. But they're not going to get in front of in front of my dream of trying, right? We can all try things. That's I don't right. think they ever thought realistically I'd make a team. <laughs> now, now, uh, and, and, and what's so interesting about that at this time, like you say, you have uh, you had three kids at that particular time. Yes. Were they familiar that mom was getting in the car to go try out to be a cheerleader? Yeah, and the fun thing is, um, I don't know how the Columbine works, but we get a number every time we get to an audition, and I would immediately text my family, you know, whatever my audition number was, and it was almost fun for them because they would pray or think about that number and wait for mom to call at the end of the day. How did she do? Did she make it to the next round, et cetera? So they played along in it as well. Okay, now you're, you show up, and obviously, uh, and I'm just going to give you this compliment of which I'm sure because your body from working out, you certainly look like you were at least 18 years old, but they don't ask for birth certificates unless for those people that they think borderline 18. Am I correct? So they never. No, you're not correct. You oh. put your age down right there on the application. Well, and well, I was very proud every year and every time to put my age, whatever that age might have been at that moment. Wow. They that, knew I was older. They knew. <laughs> well, well that, that, that's interesting only because, I mean, you're so close to Hollywood out there, and it seems to be one of those, one of those type of environments where, you know, age is, is something that sometimes it could play against women. So right. were, you, were you concerned about, although you may have looked like you were 18, that they might have saw on paper that you weren't and they might have been not, uh, you know, too happy to sign somebody who at this time had your daughter had her child yet or no? No, no. My, okay. my daughter hadn't had Grace yet. I never worried about the age. Okay. You know, I think when confidence gets in front of what matters, that's all that, you know, you just go for it. Um, I felt I looked just like the other girl standing next to me. I thank you for the compliment. I did look decent. I have a, a decent figure. Um, if I didn't think I had all those elements, of course I wouldn't have shown up to these auditions. Well, I, I think- knew I could do this. <laughs> You know? Susie, I'm laughing a little bit, and the reason why is because maybe you wouldn't, but I'm sure you looked around and there were a couple that you said, no, not not her. She's not serious. Am I correct? There had to be one or two like that, Susie. Oh, well, come- sure, there were years where you saw that. <laughs> but for me, I looked at it as good for you to come out here and try. Yes. You know, I, I looked at that aspect of, of some some of the people throughout the years that I had seen, you yeah. know, because they're making a statement as well, and I, I think that's important. Well, I, I, I think they are, but, you know, it's just like, I'll, I'll be quite honest, there are some guys out there that, you know, when they put their uniforms on, it's like, <laughs> really, come on, guys. Now, right. you just yeah. know... You know, your time was over, but I'm glad that you felt strong enough, as you said, um, being that strong, confident. And and I think a lot of it has to do with your mental confidence and your ability. And it's because not so much about what you look like, but I also know that mental confidence comes from the fact that you've put the work in. Am I correct in saying that? That you put the time into developing your skill set. That's right. And and, and you've done, you've been doing that. I mean, again, you've been doing that since you were Eight years old, am I correct? Yeah. yeah, had a huge hiccup for quite a few years in the middle having my kids, but walked right back into it, right? Yeah. Right. Okay, so let's talk about this. Uh, like you said, walk back into it, because the first time you walked into it, it, uh, it sucker punched you, right? And you, you, well, you didn't. Yeah, and, and it almost should have, right? You walk in, you don't really know what to expect. So the first year at both team auditions, I thought, okay. But it wasn't enough to deteriorate me to say I'll never do this again. It was, let's try harder and figure it out, and let's go do it again. I'm a very stubborn person that way. Um, if I think I've got a shot, I'm not going to give up trying. And so in 2007 and 8, I made it to the Raiderettes finals, which is they take your top 100, and they're looking at you now. There's an interest. 
And so that drive kept going each year. I thought, well, that this particular organization starting to really take note in me. I'm not making the team, but but I feel they're they're really starting to watch me. I'm not obviously getting younger. I'm I'm getting older, and um, by the grace of God, in 2010, my brother-in-law mentioned an indoor football team in the Bay Area that was uh, forming, and said, "Why don't you you know go out to that audition?" and And I thought, well, not not indoor football to me. Those are younger women that usually audition for the you know semi-pro teams and then work up to the the pro level, um, but. I remember it's in my book, and I remember that morning I looked at my husband and I said, "What do you think? Should I go do this?" And he said, "Absolutely. You'll be upset with yourself later today if you don't." Okay, so, so, it, so it sounds to me like similar to to the development of talent on the football field. There's kind of a developmental process even for the cheerleaders. So you, as you're saying that these are for the younger. You know, I'm I'm assuming not just so much younger in age, but also younger in experience and not as good as those who make it to the National Football League. So you went to, uh, you know, a, a, a league, again, that is less demanding in terms of talent. And that's where well, you got your first, that's where you got your first. And same level of talent. I would actually not change or uh, discriminate against either. I mean, it's still the same. It's just. You know, it's, I don't know, I just feel it's more of your, your students coming maybe right out of college are going to try the indoor arena look before maybe the NFL. And that's just my perspective of how I looked at yeah. it. Um, but it's okay. I mean, again, that's your perspective, and that's fine. But, yeah. but certainly I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with going to a league that is lesser known to kind of become a professional, if you will, right. and then you get on that big stage because, I mean, that's what those developmental leagues are for. There's a lot of guys, and I, I always like to give a shout-out to Kurt Warner, who was in the Arena League before he got to the National Football League and went to two Super Bowls and, and, and won as one as a, uh, uh, I think he won it as a Ram uh, for right. one of my coaches, Dick Vermeil. But, but he first had to get his feet wet in the Arena and, League. And, and that's uh, kind of, yeah, get your feet wet. And and it's funny because I don't know the, the actual facts, but I was, gosh, I was 36 that year on the San Jose Wolves, uh, She-Wolves with our dance team name, and I never looked at stats on it, but I was probably the oldest one they've ever had. I don't, I don't know. Wow. But I made it. That's good. To me, good. that was... That's the great. Arena. I have oh no, that's that, that's great. And 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 I I like the way you wear that crown. That you were perhaps maybe the oldest. You should take that and, and wear that and and continue to encourage people. And that's that's why I want everybody to know this was going to be an inspiring story today. This wasn't going to be anything to be sad. There's nothing right. negative about this story. All oh, this is a great story, and more people need to hear this story. And and Absolutely. I want to continue to to tell this story. But uh, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to continue to tell this story. But let me just. If I could, because the next segment, I'm going to get into the real big boy story, and I love it because they're one of my favorite teams. But uh, I just want to be sure that, as you just mentioned, you were finally on a team in the Arena League for a few years. and For, how, for one season, yes. For one, for one season. season in the Arena League, and that was at the age of 36. Am I correct? I was 36, and at the very last game, I learned of the pregnancy of my daughter. Wow. End of that game. So, see, there's more good news. So, don't I go know. anywhere. Continue to listen. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm talking to, I'm talking with uh, Susie Sanchez, and she's got a great story. It's called The Dream Lived, and she did defy all the odds that were against her. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back.
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. All right, we're back. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. The Dream Lived, that's the name of the book, and the book is about Susie Sanchez. Uh, the book, of course, uh, it spells it out for you. You'll know when you're done with the book how she defied all the odds. They were against her. Uh, this is a young lady who, uh, again, when, when she decided that it was time for her uh, to become uh, a part of that national stage on national TV and one of the greatest cheerleading units that ever existed. Uh, she was not 15. She was not 16. She was not 21. She was not 22. Uh, but in fact, I'll let her tell you exactly. She was 30 something uh, when that happened. But Susie, what I want to let everybody know is that you did get a chance to live your dream. And that dream that you wanted to live, that you wanted to be one day was a Raiderette. And that happened to you in what year? I made the team in 2011, 2012. Wow. And now, just to set this up so everybody will know that you tried out to become a professional cheerleader in the National Football League. How many times were you defied the, the right to be one? I made my team uh, the fifth year. The fifth year. And after five, after four tryouts of them saying no, the fifth time they got it right. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> well, that's good. So let me ask you, after, after all that, when you went that fifth time, and, of course, that was for the Raiders, but you had tried out for what other teams had you tried out for? Well, I had just danced the year previous with the San Jose Wolves, the indoor football. But, and you, of course, I you had, made that team. That was a team you were on. That was, you, yes. you were actually. Uh, and I tried the uh, San Francisco 49ers a few years as well. Okay, so the 49ers missed it. And so was this the first time you tried out for the Raiders? or No, no, no. I tried out in 06, 07, 08. Oh, that's right. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. That's exactly right. 06, 07, and, and 08. That's exactly right. And you were denied those times, and then the 49ers said no, and then you came back to the Raiders. Now, now let me ask you something. Similar to when you came in to um, back to the dance studio after being away for nine years, I believe it was, and there right. was a person there that was still there when you were there nine years earlier, when you came back to the Raiders this fifth time, was there anybody who was there in charge that was, let's say, there your first time? 
Well, um, our director actually had changed for the team between my very first audition and this one in 2011, um, but a lot of the choreographer teachers, they were still there. Uh, I recognized a lot of familiar judges, you know, uh, a lot of staff. You, you start to recognize the faces you're, you know, but they knew they remembered me. I, I could just feel it. You just know there's a connection there. Well, let me ask you something. And sometimes it's like one of these things where, you know, people can look at you and say, okay, didn't we tell you no last time? Did, <laughs> did, you, did you get any of that or did you feel like these people are like, you know what, there's something special about this person here. She's not giving you know, up. She's worked harder. She's getting better each time she comes back. She's still in great health. Was it, which one was it? Was it like, hmm, is she back again or is it like, this lady you know, is really determined. Each year depends. I mean, there were times where I might get the, oh, she's here again. But every time I would leave either of those buildings, I would look at the young girl or the girls leaving that might have tears in their eyes, and I said, don't give up on this. Come back next year. It's not a one-time thing. So I always thought I was already inspiring the girls around me, like, I'm going to be back here next year just because I got no once. It doesn't mean I'm going to get no again. You never know exactly what it is they're looking for that particular season. Um, but this year, I was confident. I had just done the indoor team the year before, um, like I, I mean, we haven't talked about it, but I had become a young grandmother that year. My daughter had given birth, and I knew it was my last season. That was the grace of it all. I knew this was going to be it. This was, gonna, you know, I'd been chasing after this for a while now, and timing's everything. Um, well, I was, I just knew I was going to do it this year. Well, or it, that it's, year. it's one of those things again where sometimes our our passion again was replaced, and in this case again, it was another child that had come into your life. But as you said, this time it was your grandchild. And did you think in your mind that you knew your grandchild either was already here on this earth or about to arrive? That you knew that you were going to that time that you had, perhaps maybe that you put into cheerleading, that you were going to devote to help your daughter in raising her child, or was it just a thing where you just felt like? okay, I'm about to have a grandchild now. Maybe I might want to give this thing up. Uh, no, Grace was born in January, and our auditions every year for the teams are usually in April. And so it was a small window of, hmm, here, you know, usually in January is when I'm starting to think about the auditions, putting my application in, and, and I thought, uh, I probably shouldn't. I'm a grandmother now. That's not going to look right. But then I, I stopped on that thought, and I said to myself, as I note in my book, I'm no different in this moment than I was nine months ago, and I have a beautiful granddaughter, and I've never changed. My family's lived through an amazing, you know, experience with my daughter. She's a beautiful mother. Why not give it one more try? And, again, when you're on the journey, you don't, you don't see it as a journey. You just see you're living your life. But it, it, it just worked out the way it did, and it's been an amazing ride. Now, you, you mentioned something there that, that you hadn't changed, that, that you pretty much like, physically and mentally, uh, things were the same for you in, in your life. Uh, but you did mention the fact that you were about to become a grandmother. Uh, I know, particularly in today's world, uh, we have these uh, uh, digital, uh, what can I call them, digital protection, I'm going to say, where uh-huh. people can say things without anybody knowing who they are, and it can be very mean-spirited. Uh, was it some of that that perhaps made you think about what was about to happen that people would know and would find out in the mean spirit that's behind all these 
uh, okay, a digital protection would, 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 would come out of the woods and say nasty things? Or uh, were you thinking about those kind of things? Or did you not really care that you were going to go ahead this last time and do it? Or did you, you take know, some of those things into consideration? Absolutely. You know, for me, I didn't care. When we auditioned for the auditions for this particular team, when you walk up, you state your bio, meaning you say your name. And so I said my name, I said my city, I said I'm a proud, you know, mother of three, grandmother of one. And I do remember the faces of the judges like, what did she just say? Wow. But I didn't let that put fear in me. I wasn't going to deny who I was or what I was. And in the end, it actually, it's made a beautiful story in the end and got national attention, though I wasn't aiming for any of that. But, no, I, I'm not going to hide behind any rock or show any shame. I was very proud of, like I said, what my family had gone through and what we just survived. And, and again, showing that one person in that stand, go live a moment. It's okay. Wow. Even if there's a circumstance in front of you like I had. So let me ask you, Susie, with, with, with everything that, that happened to you in terms of as you were on this journey and, and the way things evolved, and now you get this chance, you know, to look back on that journey and, and, and how you how you made your way through, how you fought through each one of those challenges. Uh, what is it that you hope that someone who reads your book or one day watch the movie that I know is going to happen? Oh, I hope so, Ray. What do you mm-hmm. think, what, do you, what message do you want to give those people if you have a say-so in, in how this comes to the screen? Uh, what is it defying all odds? What, what is your message you want to leave people my, with? I think my biggest message is, number one, never give up. If I had given up the first year or never walk back into dance after nine years, we wouldn't even have this conversation today. So number one, never give up and live your dream. Go, go to the closet, pull those shoes out again, the sports shoes, or go play that piano again, or go travel that country. Go live a moment. Don't put fear. Don't put, oh, I'm too old. Don't put excuses in front of it. Just do it because it's magical when it happens. And the best part is you're going to inspire someone else around you, and, and it's going to keep it going. It's going to keep that ball spinning. I had more folks that would come up to me in the Raider Stadium, men, women. You've inspired me to go do this again. You've inspired me. And those are moments and, and looks on people's faces that I will never, ever forget because I inspired them just by my story that at that point they didn't even know my story. I didn't even have a book out. But that's my biggest message is, I never gave up, and I've lived the dream, and others can do it, too, and I just want to pay that message forward. Now, can I ask you this? Uh, did they ever release the information that you were a grandmother while you were cheering? Did the team ever release that information yes, to the it public? Was in, it was on my bio on the Raiders website, which we did in April, and somehow the media world got a hold of it that July of 2011, and it went nationally viral my entire season. Uh, Granny, Susie, Google any name you want, Raiderette Granny, it's out there. I'm not the first grandmother ever in the NFL, but my story went viral. Unfortunately, I never got the the chance to return the press, and it was okay. It kind of hurt a little bit because there were some negative, you know, comments that I had to to look through and and, um, not speak about, but I knew in the end I'll write my story. When I'm done with this entire journey, I'll, I'll sit down and I'll write my book, and that's what the dream lived is. Well, uh, and and I mean no disrespect to you, or and I want your husband to know this because I have a wife of thirty-one years, so I'm saying this in a respectful way. Uh, uh, just win, baby, and I say that because, of course, I I want to talk about Mr. Davis because that's what his that's his motto for the Raiders: just win, baby. Did you ever yes. get a chance to meet Mr. Davis? 
I did not. I he he wasn't at the audition that year. Um, obviously, we practice at his facility every Saturday. Um, I was on team the year he passed. It's a, a remarkable year to ever have been on that team. I was at the facility that morning when we got the news. Oh wow! And walking out on that field, I'm, I got chills as I tell you this. Ten minutes after learning that news and being on his grounds in that cold October morning, that's a feeling I'll never forget. It connects me to my childhood, to my father, hearing about Al Davis and how they played in the 70s and the 80s, and knowing that I lived a moment. And he was up in those suites. He, he saw those first you know, preseason games and maybe one or two of our home games. Yes. So he saw me. I never saw him, but I know he saw me, and I know he knows my story, and he knew my story. Well, I can, I'm going to just uh, jump in here because we are about to end. I can tell you Mr. Davis knew your story. He was hands-on, and believe me, if, if there was someone on his squad that he didn't approve of, you would not have known it, but he would <laughs> have said, right. she's got to go. So he did know you. He is aware of you in heaven. He's smiling down on you because he's happy that he's a part of your story and I'm glad that you allowed me to be a part of your story but our time has run out so we're going to have to go I want everybody to know my all time favorite team when I was a kid I one day hoped that I could be anything like Jack Tate I got a picture of him hanging in my office uh, thank you Jerry Robinson one of my best friends of my entire life one of the greatest Raiders I've ever known uh, Jerry Robinson too gave me that picture of Jack Tatum from the Ohio State University so <laughs> Susie the best to you and your family keep up the good work and just win baby the dream lived she defied all the odds and we're talking about Susie Sanchez be sure to get her book the dream live you've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.